You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Um, If you have your Bibles, open those this morning um, to John chapter 14. And before I jump into the message, I want to pray before I get into the message this morning. But I want to um, just take a real quick moment to brag on a, a few people, if that's okay. Is that all right? Is that okay if I do that? Um, April and I had the chance to take the last couple of weeks off. We um, had our, our oldest daughter get married, um, and it was a beautiful time that we got to spend with her and her new husband and celebrate and all that stuff, and we took some time to just kind of recuperate. And, and I just want to say, um, the last couple of weeks, our staff has done a fantastic job. So can we give them a hand? <laughs> Pastor Bo and Pastor Mercy, Pastor Tori, Pastor Jamie, um, all the people that kind of helped put things together, Amy Glazner. Um, I didn't get one phone call the whole time that I was gone. Did I? No, I didn't, I didn't get one phone call the whole time. No, nothing blew up. The church is still standing, and everything is still good. And so, but beyond that, they really did a great job. I really appreciated the message that Pastor Bo brought a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, having Cody Hodges here was a really great treat. And so uh, I just wanted to extend my appreciation to them because they really did some, some great work while uh, in our absence. And so um, I am chomping at the bit and ready to preach. Are you all ready? So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much um, for your refreshing presence. And we thank you, just as Pastor April was saying this morning, God, we thank you for sending your son. And Lord, I just want to not rush past that because that's the beginning of everything. And so, Lord, I pray that today as we open your word, that you would just begin to breathe upon your word and that you would give us the bread of life. And I just even pray, God, that you would cause faith to be born in some people's hearts but that you'd also cause our hearts to be filled with peace today from your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to start a new sermon series this morning, and the sermon series that we're going to start is titled Sons of Peace. And one of the, as I was kind of putting some of this stuff together, I was just kind of struck by, you know, I don't know if y'all have noticed, but the election's going to happen in a couple of weeks. Y'all didn't notice that? Well, newsflash, the election's going to happen in a couple of weeks. And it just, without fail, every four years, we get kind of thrust into this cycle of chaos. Because, you know, the stakes are high, right? It's like it, the stuff that's going on in our country right now, it's, it's a pivotal moment in human history. And because of that, I feel like that the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light are really raging against each other and we know who wins. However, it it just kind of stirs up all of this chaos. And and 2020 is a climate. It's a climate of turmoil and outrage. And and I don't know um, if uh, you you think about uh, the news a lot, but I I read the news almost every day about 15 times a day. and, And I have to tell myself to turn the news off, to put my phone away and not pay attention to it, right? But this happened to me the other day, and, and I got the kind of the headline came across my phone that President Trump and, and his wife were, uh, you know, diagnosed with uh, coronavirus. And, and so, I, you know, I kind of, I prayed. Uh, I prayed for them that night as I would pray for anybody. And I went to bed, and I had these weird dreams all night long. And it had really nothing to do with the president. I just kind of had this, it was at the front of my mind before I went to bed about coronavirus again. Right? It's put in my, my, my psyche and in my thoughts right before I go to bed. And all night long, I kept dreaming that I got COVID. Now, I tell April all the time, every time I get a stuffy nose or I kind of have a little cough, I'm like, I got COVID again. I've had it at least three times, and I'm still doing okay. And I say that in jest. I don't really mean to make light of it. But at the same time, this has dominated our thoughts and our emotions all year long, right? 
And so I'm sitting there in about, you know, every so often I would wake up and I would be like, I don't think I can taste anything. I need to like maybe go to the kitchen and grab some food and make sure that I can taste anything. And the thing that I want you to think about as I share that little silly story with you is that if you're not careful, the climate of outrage and turmoil that we're thrust into, it will dominate your thoughts and your emotions. If we are going to be people who live above the fray of the crisis and the turmoil and everything else that's going on around our lives right now in this moment and in future moments, right? This isn't going to be the last time that it seems like the world is falling apart. We're going to have to become sons and daughters of peace. Now, we're going to talk in this series about how we can actually use peace as a weapon. You can weaponize in the kingdom of God, you can weaponize peace, not against other people, but against the kingdom of darkness. And we're going to look at that next week in Isaiah chapter 52. We're going to talk about how peace can actually be your guide. It can be the thing whenever you're in a moment of of heightened emotion, of, of really frantic thoughts, how peace can be the difference maker to show you the path that God has laid out for you. But today, the place I want to begin is I want to take a close look in John chapter 14 and in Luke chapter 10 about the gift that Jesus has come to give you of peace. And so look in John chapter 14, and I'll kind of give you the backstory before we read one verse. I would encourage you to read the whole passage, but basically what's going on in, in John chapter 14 is Jesus is having his last meal with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And in chapter 13, he's just done this extraordinary thing of washing their feet and talking to them about being servants in their leadership in the kingdom of God. And then chapter 14, he begins to institute the Last Supper. And and as they eat this meal together, Jesus begins to talk to them about what he's going to do for them after he's gone. He tells them about a promise that the Father has made on their behalf that he would send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would be their counselor. He would be their guide. He would show show them things yet to come. That he would be the one that would be with them no matter what in Jesus' physical absence as he rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father. So he talks to his disciples about the promise that the Father has made them to send the Holy Spirit. But he also gives them a gift. Don't you look at chapter 14, verse 27. And Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I gift to you. It says, I give you, but whenever somebody gives you something, there is a gift, a generosity that's attached to that. He says, I gift you peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, as I I read that passage to you, I hope that it, it, it kind of Bring some things to the front of your mind and even begins to inspire some things in your thoughts about this gift that Jesus has, has given to you and I in Christ. See, the gift that Jesus has given is peace, but it's not any kind of peace. If you read that whole verse, I just took out a couple chunks, but if you read that whole verse, he says, I don't leave you peace like the world leaves it. I don't give you what the world gives. He says, I don't just give you any ordinary peace. I give you my peace. Why don't you think about that for just a second? Because whenever I want peace, I don't want the peace that I can conjure up and the calm that I can kind of place upon myself. I want the peace of God. The peace of God does something that nothing else can do. 
It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. See, the peace of God transcends chaos. It transcends crisis. It's above the fray. But it also defends your heart. It becomes a bulwark against anything that the enemy can throw at you. Anything that your mind begins to conjure up. Anything that your emotions begin to, to cause your heart to list to and fro. See, the peace of God is the gift that you need. See, the Father promised that He would send the Holy Spirit, but the, one of the fruits of the Spirit is God's peace. And so if you and I are going to live above the fray of chaos of turmoil, of crisis, no matter what emergency is going on in your personal life or what's, what crisis is going on in the world right now, you need the gift of peace. Now, here's the other thing that I want you to notice about what Jesus promised as he gives this gift of peace. He said that he would give his peace to us, but he also said these, these words, do not let. Let not, some translations say. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That, you know what that tells me? is that you and I have the ability to control the environment of our heart. You know, you don't have to be in a place where your mind runs crazy, right? You don't have to be in a place where your emotions are out of control. What Jesus is highlighting here is that you have the ability, by the grace of God, to establish God's peace inside of your heart and your mind. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be terrified. Do not be, do not be afraid. The enemy is actively trying to steal your peace. Jesus said this, he only comes, the enemy only comes, he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the only reason that he's active in your life is to make sure that he steals something that God's given you. And in this context of this message today, I want to talk to you about how the enemy is trying to steal your peace. Here's the good news. I know sometimes whenever we think about the kingdom of darkness and the enemy and the adversary that we have, who's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, right? Sometimes we think that he's a big deal. But what Jesus just said is you don't have to let him. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And whenever the enemy comes to steal peace and to, to insert trouble or turmoil or crisis or fear into your life, you do not have to operate in that environment. It's your option. You don't have to. You don't have to, thought, you don't have to think the thoughts that think about the worst case scenario. See, you and I get to participate. And I, you know, as I think about that, I think about one day in, in Mark chapter 4, you can go back and read this if you want to. One day Jesus was in a boat and they were crossing the sea of Galilee. And they were trying to get to the other side and Jesus was pretty tired. I, I guess he'd been preaching all day and he was needing a nap. And so he crawled up in the boat and he started taking a nap. And as he was sleeping, you remember the story? A storm came up on the lake and it says that his disciples began to freak out. So much so that they began to believe that they were about to die, and probably so. I don't know about you if you've ever been in a West Texas thunderstorm on Lake Meredith. But I have, and it's scary. I mean, it's like, we, I, this was really early on in mine and April's relationship, and we went down and we had this great idea to go camping down at Lake Meredith, which is not a bad deal, but we didn't check the weather before we went. And we were leaving, and we were going out, and um, for some reason, um, I, I don't know why, but I, 
I asked her dad what he thought, and he said, have you checked the weather? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was young. I didn't know how to listen to other people very well. And we show up, and we set up a tent, and I'm just telling you, the storm came out of nowhere. Of course, they probably had it on radar, and it was in the forecast and all that stuff, but we didn't check any of that stuff. And so we had our tent, and I'm just telling you, it was scary. We weren't even on the water. We were on the beach, and we had set up a tent, and, and the storm comes, and it, it, it literally blew our tent away. I mean, it starts raining real hard, and April and I are starting to try to pack everything up and put it back in the car, and before we know it, the, the tent is gone. I mean, it, it's, she asked me, she's like, where's the tent? I was like, I don't know. Just let's go. Let's get out of here. And so we get in the car, and we drive away, and it was a crazy thing. And, it, and like most thunderstorms around here, is over in 15 minutes. But it was scary. Jesus and his disciples are in this boat, and his disciples see this storm, this turmoil, begin to, to change the environment of the lake that they were on, and they freaked out. They go to Jesus and they say, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus gets up, and this is the way my imagination works, okay? This isn't what the Bible says, but this is the way I think about it. Jesus gets up and nonchalantly rebukes the wind and the waves, and it calms down. He didn't freak out. I, I kind of think in my mind that maybe he was like, guys, it's, it's okay. Don't worry about this. I got it. And he changes the environment. Listen, if you want to be a son of peace, sons of peace are not shaped by their environment. A son of peace changes the environment that they live in. You and I, if we are going to live above the fray, you're going to have to be a son or a daughter of peace. And if you are, this is the reality of what Jesus is trying to unpack for his disciples is you have the ability to change the environment. Guys, if we cannot change the world with Jesus living inside of us, all hope is lost. But the good news is we can and should and so it just changed, it should. It should change the way that you think about the problems in your life to say, you know what, what do I need to do, Lord, to establish your peace in this situation that's going on right now? Amen. When everybody's up in arms and nobody knows the right answer, we should be the people that insert ourselves into the environment and change the environment and bring God's peace in the midst of chaos. Amen. Turn to Luke chapter 10. What's exciting about this to me is that is the gift that Jesus gave to you and me as disciples of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 10, I know sometimes we can kind of think that, well, that's Jesus and that's the way he did it because he's the son of God. But what does it look like to be a son or a daughter of peace in my day-to-day -day life? How does this work for the average person, okay? Because what I'm trying to give you isn't something that's unattainable. This is something that every single person in the room can leave here today with. So in, in Luke chapter 10, what we're going to read is basically Jesus sending out the 72 on a missionary journey. And they were, they're assigned with going into towns before he did and begin to preach the kingdom. Okay, And he gave them some very specific instructions and as he gives them these specific instructions, he begins to talk about sons of peace. And as he begins to talk about sons of peace, it's interesting to me, and I wrote down three thoughts that I want to share, you, share with you after we read this today. It's interesting to me what the lifestyle of a regular average son of peace looks like whenever you and I are operating in the peace of God. So look at verse 1. 
says this in Luke 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house, or peace be to you. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house in that son of peace's house. Remain in that same house eating and drinking what they provide for the labor deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and, re- and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, here's three thoughts. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are as you read those, but I had three thoughts that I just wrote down as I read through that. And one of the things that I want you to say, see is in the Word of God, there's this reality where, number one, Jesus gifted his disciples with peace. But number two, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus taught his disciples that whenever they were doing his work, to look for other sons of peace. He literally calls them that. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a disciple who is partnering with other sons and daughters of peace. But I also want to be a son and daughter of peace that other disciples can partner with. And so whenever I read this, here's the first thought that I wrote down. Peace is a commodity in the kingdom that only you and I get to impart. Jesus said it in in John chapter 4. He said, He gave us peace not that the world could give. Not like the world gives. The world cannot give this kind of peace. It only comes from God. And the cool thing about the peace of God is that He has given us the ability to change the environment that we live in and to impart His peace to others around us, to circumstances that we're in, to the environment that we walk around in and we live in every single day. He said, look at verse 5. He says, impart your peace. That's my phrase. But what he says is, whenever you go into this house, say to them... Peace be to this house. Peace be upon you. There's this verbal impartation of the peace of God onto this home. And if a son of peace is there, if somebody else who trades in the commodity of the peace of God is there, it will rest on them. That's good news. It highlights a reality that you really do have the ability to impart peace and change the environment. Why is it good for us to come together as the body of Christ? Because whenever we do, we begin to rub off on each other the goodness of God that we sang about earlier. We begin to exchange in this commodity of the peace of God that He's called us to exchange in. Now listen, I think it's wonderful and it's awesome and it's great that we can do live streams and I know everybody's social distancing, but you cannot replace what's happening right here. It can't happen. There's, there, I can pick up the phone and I can call somebody, I can text someone, but, and there's something that can be exchanged in that way. But I'm just telling you, whenever two come together, there he is in their midst. There is something that's special about community and God chooses to establish himself 
in the community of sons and daughters of peace. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. So let me talk about this commodity. Have you ever been around a person that has a calming presence? Sons and daughters of peace have the ability to impart peace into a chaotic situation. I know there's been several times that I've had to, as a pastor, step into chaos and step into emergency situations. And one of the things that I'm always trying to be aware of is that I have the ability to bring some level of peace into that situation. In our family, we have had many medical emergencies. And one of the things that I I think about is people that God has surrounded us with, family members specifically. My dad has been in the medical community, and, and he's a strong believer. And so whenever we've had medical emergency, my dad is a very, very solid source of God's peace to me. Because why? Because he's been there before. I was, I was sitting in my office one day, and this has uh, been several years back, and I got a phone call from a pastor friend of mine in a different city. And he was calling me, and he was just he was freaking out. He was having some problems in his church, and he was like, Pastor Joy, I need some help. I need some advice. Would you pray with me? I mean, he was, just, he was just trying to pull the lever to say, somebody, please help me. And I can remember he kind of laid out the situation he was going with, and I just had this super big peace in my heart from God because I had been through that same exact situation. And I didn't know what it was going to take to cause that situation to move in his church, but I said, man, I've been there before, and I know God's going to show up. And I, I know that I had not every answer to his situation, but I had peace that I could insert into his chaos in that moment. That's what sons and daughters are called to do. You are called to exchange in the commodity of peace and impart it to other people into situations and circumstances that you find yourself in on a day-to-day basis. Here's a second thought that I wrote down. Sons of peace fund the move of God out of their own provisions. Sons of peace fund the move of God out of their own provisions. Look at verse 7. Remain in that same house. Whose house? The son of peace that you find in that city. Remain in that same house eating and drinking what they provide. Ministry requires financial support. I know that makes some people uncomfortable, but I'm just very grateful that we serve in a church that's very generous. I've talked with pastor after pastor as we've gone through COVID, and it, it's been awesome to see the body of Christ rally and support their churches financially. I'll just tell you, there, there's, there's, there's nothing else that causes the move of God to stop more than two things. I'll get to the second one here in a second, but one of them is that you do not have the funding of the people around you. Listen, ministry requires money. Jesus carried a money box around with him. People funded the ministry of Jesus. Do you agree with that? Okay. I know I'm talking about money and it makes you nervous, but listen, it's a reality. Whenever Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's sending them out on this missionary, he gives them instructions on how to fund what they're fixing to do. He says, number one, he says, operate in faith. Don't take provisions for yourself. I'm going to provide them on the way. See, it's almost like God is looking for a people group. Sorry. I don't know what did. God is looking for a people group to begin to fund the idea that he has for Dumas, Texas, and for Amarillo, and Dallas, and Africa, and China. You know, it's going to require one thing for sure, and two even. Number one is it's going to require money. 
It's going to require food on the table. It's going to require... One of the things that I'm really proud of in our churches, this was probably a couple months ago, we, I took a kind of a plan to our elders and we talked about how to upgrade all of our live stream stuff. And I'm just telling you, it's a wonderful thing whenever we see an opportunity because there's an opportunity to reach more and more people through these cameras. And then for our church to say, yeah, let's fund that. Let's do it. Let's go. See, that's what I mean by there is a funding that has to happen by sons and daughters of peace. It doesn't happen anywhere else. You think I'm going to go knock on the the U.S. government and ask them for funds? You're crazy. It happens through us. And here's the cool thing about this is we have everything that we need right here. We have all that we need. God has provided everything that we need in your pocket, in my pocket. And we together as a community can fund anything that God wants to do. Here's the third thing. When sons of peace unite, they become the conduit for the kingdom of God to flow through. Here's the second thing that has to happen for God's kingdom to move. He doesn't just need money, and this is more important than money. He needs people. He needs you. This doesn't happen without you. God could have chosen to do it any way that he wanted to. He could have chosen to snap his fingers. He could have chosen to just speak and make it all happen, but he chose to work through you and me. Jesus could have stood on a mountain and just shown himself to the whole world and revealed who he was and changed everything in a moment, but he chose to leave it with his disciples to go into all the nations. See, in order for God's kingdom to be imparted, it happens through you and I. And so sons and daughters of peace unite. Whenever we unite, we become a conduit. Look at verse 9. It says, he, he tells his disciples, heal the sick in that place and tell them this. The kingdom of God has now come near to you. See, here's here's the thing about community. And as we begin to come together as sons and daughters of peace, is it doesn't take a thousand. It doesn't even take 200. Jesus said, where two or more, two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. See, there's something that God wants to do, but it's not going to happen through a Lone Ranger mentality. If I want to go conquer the world for Jesus, listen, he expects me to come into a fellowship of community of other believers because whenever two or three are gathered and more and more and more, the bigger the group of people, the bigger the conduit. And through that is the way that God is going to establish his kingdom in our environment. Do you resist... Or do you impart the kingdom of God to the environment around you? That's the question I think that you should ask yourself today. Whenever God has something in his heart to do in your workplace or in your school or in your family, are you a son of peace that he's looking for? Because whenever you look at these 72, they go into a town and they're looking for a partner to do this with. They're looking for community to facilitate the will of God in that town's life. But it's not just exclusive to towns. It's also in your family, in your workplace, in your school. Are you one of those sons and daughters of peace that whenever you're presented an opportunity to partner with God, you say, yeah, let's go? Or do you resist it? Now, I wish I could stand before you today and say that I have always partnered with every single thing that God wanted to do in my life. But I'm probably a lot like you. I haven't. 
There's been times whenever God, I feel him putting a burden on my heart, and I'm like, you know, I just don't know that I want to do that. That's too risky. That scares me. Anybody else in the room? I've been there. God's laid something on my heart to do for his kingdom, for his purposes. And sometimes it doesn't line up with my selfish motives in my flesh. But listen, if you want to see God move more in your life and in the environment around you, become a son and a daughter of peace. Somebody, whenever you see God moving, you say, God, I don't want to say no. I just want to cooperate. And it's scaring the crap out of me right now, but I'm going for it. It needs to become a motivation within the people of God that we refuse to say no to God. And we are yearning for an opportunity to become part of something that He's doing in our country and even in our home. So let me talk real quick about how to become a son or daughter of peace. We've talked about the gift of peace. We've talked about the lifestyle of sons of peace. But how do you actually do this? And I want to invite the worship team to go ahead and come on up and as they're doing that, as we're transitioning this a little bit, we're fixing to take communion. But I want to talk to you about how to become a son of peace. And this isn't gender specific, ladies. God is looking for women to partner with what he's doing in the earth. Amen? Amen. And so how do you become a son or a daughter of peace? Here's the first thing is you need to become a son or a daughter. There's a common misconception in the world is that everybody's God's child. If you read... The book of Romans, in Romans chapter 8, it actually tells you otherwise. That in order for you to become God's child, you have to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. See, we are all God's creation. But you are only adopted into the family to where you can cry out, Abba, Father, whenever the Holy Spirit seals your heart, whenever you're born again. If you want to become a son of peace, you cannot exchange in peace like the world does. You can only do it through the door which is Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. That's number one. That's where it all begins. But here's the second thing is, in order for you to become a son or daughter of peace, let's, let's just say that you're surrendered to the Lord and you're born again and that's you in the room today, okay? We as Christians, as followers of the Lord, can enter into moments in our walk with Him whenever we allow crisis to bring anxiety and shift the atmosphere of our heart from peace to fear. It's happened to me. I know that it's happened to you. And so the way that I become peaceful and, and, and begin to govern the environment of my heart around peace is to receive his peace. Jesus gave it to you. But you have to receive it. You have to begin to allow peace to change the environment of your heart. That's the reason that we pray. That's the reason I read my Bible. That's the reason I spend time with the Lord is because I need to sit in His peace, in His presence, and allow that to change the posture of my heart. I need to allow the Word of God to begin to renew my mind and change the thoughts that I'm struggling with in my anxious mind. You have to receive this peace, and we're going to do that this morning. Here's the last thing that I just want to challenge you in if you're going to become a son of peace is you need to occupy your thoughts. You need to occupy your heart. We're called through the Word of God to take every thought captive. 
That verse that we read earlier in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it tells us that if we begin to pray, if we begin to lay our supplication out before God with thanksgiving, that the peace of God then would guard our hearts and minds. It would transcend all understanding. And so as you and I begin to exchange in this peace, it's our job. Do not let your heart be troubled. It's our job to occupy our mind, to occupy our heart with the peace of God and to impart that. Amen? Here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you to just remain seated. I've asked the worship team to just sing over us this morning as we take communion. And so if you have some elements, you can go ahead and get those out. If you don't, there's some ushers that would like to give those. Just raise your hand if you need some communion elements. They'll bring those by. And at any point in time while we're worshiping here in just a second, you're more than welcome to just begin to take your communion and prayerfully begin to ask God to fill your heart with peace. you to bow your head. As I was talking about becoming a son of peace and making Jesus the Lord of your life, you have to become a son first. You have to become a daughter. You have to become a child of God by surrendering your life to the Lord. And if that's you today, I want to ask you to just raise your hand. I don't want to pass by this moment without giving you an opportunity for this to be your moment to surrender to His Lordship in your life. As you're taking these elements, you're establishing relationship by faith in what He's done on the cross. And that's what these elements represent. That His body was broken to provide everything that you need. That His blood was poured out to wash every single sin away from you. and then to bring the gift of peace into your life. As your heads are bowed, I want to ask you this last question. I'm going to pray, and then the worship team is going to sing over you. How many of you are here today that you need the peace of God right now? I'm there. That's me. Just raise your hand, and, and this is what I've, I'm going to pray a prayer of impartation today. Because we have the ability to change the environment around us, but also the environment within us, in our heart and our minds. Jesus, I ask you, God, that you would begin to minister your peace to these hearts. And I say, peace to you. Peace to you. Lord, we receive your peace today, and I ask God that you just begin to rearrange our thoughts, that you begin to rearrange our emotions, that you would establish your peace that surpasses understanding in our hearts, that you would begin to cause it to defend us from the chaos that's going on around us today. As we leave this place, God, I pray that we would be full of the peace of God in Jesus' name. Now just sit in God's presence this morning. We give you an opportunity to sit in God's presence this morning and allow Him to minister that peace to you.